0: It's so like many of you, you're seeing me, Oh, Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Many of you are seeing me walk over here, and, and everybody in the room is probably thinking the same two words. They're thinking, him again. But emphasis is a funny thing, isn't it? So there's some of you who are thinking, him again. And for those of you that use that emphasis, just know that Pastor Chris will be back next week. So hang in there. Rescue is coming. Some of you are saying him again and and know that the check for the agreed upon amount will be in the mail this week, so I appreciate you all as well. Hopefully, you enjoy a little bit of levity. We can laugh a little bit together because today, as we continue our courage series talking about courage uh, we 're going to talk about the relationship between having courage and living lives that matter, and I feel like it may get a little bit heavy, and it may be a little bit challenging this morning, and I hope that we're up for it, but at least we laughed a little bit together, right? So I believe that every person on the planet, every person who has ever lived, every person that ever will live, wants to live a life that makes a difference. Like, you want to know that you you were born, and the world was a certain way, and you lived your life, and you did some things, and then you left the world in a better place than when you found it. I think everybody wants to know that their life meant something, that it was worth it, that there was a point to all of it. And I believe that that desire came straight from God. And there are some people that you talk to and they'll say, you know, I I didn't really, I don't care about significance. I don't care if I make a mark. I don't care if my life meant anything. I don't care about you. I don't care about me. I don't care about the world. And I would say that those people, at some point, probably had the same desire to make a difference, the same desire for significance, but, but met some kind of discouragement that really wounded them. And they've resigned themselves to bitterness. But I think we all started with this God-given desire to make a difference. Now, when I say make a difference, you probably think of certain people. You probably think of like Martin Luther King Jr. and the difference that he made. Or you probably think of like Mother Teresa and and the difference that she made. Or a great inventor like Albert Einstein and the difference that he made. Or you think of like, you know, Abraham Lincoln and and the difference he made as a leader. Or Aristotle and and as a great thinker, the difference that he was able to make. And when we think of those kinds of people, if, if you're anything like me we probably feel a little bit intimidated. We probably feel like there's a disconnect between who they are and who I am or what they could do and what I could do, the opportunities they have, the opportunities that I have. And when we think of those people, sometimes it feels a little discouraging. As followers of Jesus, we're we're commissioned by Jesus to be biblical difference makers. It's not even an option. We're commissioned. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Many of you know this. It's the, it's the great commission as we call it. Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what does Jesus say? He says, I am giving you a mission, a commission, to go and be a difference maker. You're going to meet people and they're going to be a certain way and you're going to spend time with them. And when you leave, they're going to be a different way, right? Go forth. John 14, 12 to 14 says, very truly. I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Catch this so that the father may be glorified in the son You may ask anything in my name and I'll do it. So what Jesus is saying is I'm giving you a commission. I'm giving you a job to be a difference maker and you can do it. You will do it and I will help you. And so we put that on top of what we think about when we think about difference makers. And it's like no pressure, right? Like no pressure. You know, Jesus just told us that we need to, you know, change every tribe and every tongue and every nation, you know, to to follow him. But you can, no matter how overwhelming it feels, you can make a difference. This morning, I want to talk about how how I believe that God has positioned you and God has gifted you and God has given you resources and God has given you opportunities to make a biblical brand of impact, a biblical difference in the lives of the people around you. So I believe that God has intended every person to be a difference maker. And, and Bruce, that means you, you're going to be a difference maker. And Kristen, that means you, you're going to be a difference maker. And God intended Seth to be a difference maker. And God intended Abby to be a difference maker. If you're sitting in this room, if you're watching online, if you're hearing these words, God has intended you to be a difference maker. So my hope is that when you leave here today, that I've done my job making a difference, that you come in and you have a certain view about making a difference, and then we spend some time together and you go out with a different view of making a difference. Before we dig into how, because you're gonna wanna know how, right? Right, good. Before I dig into how, I have one principle and one disclaimer. The principle is this, that making a a biblical difference is all about loving God and loving others. So if you want to make a biblical difference, you love God, love others, and we are difference makers if we can share the truth of the gospel with others and if we can embody the love of Jesus in our interactions with them. So that's being a biblical difference maker. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's talking about loving God, loving others. Notice that he doesn't say, they'll know you're my followers by your political posts on social media it doesn't say that it says by loving one another so that's the principle the principle is making a biblical difference is loving god and loving others in a way that's tangible and impacts people the disclaimer is this is your value is not determined by your actions This message has nothing to do with your value. It has everything to do with James 1.22, where scripture tells us that we should be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. I believe that applies to every person who subscribes to following Jesus. But that has nothing to do with your value. I'm not preaching on how to have value. Your value has been predetermined. Your value has been determined by the cross. So when when the father said, I'm gonna send my son as a sacrifice, as a ransom for you, He did so, he came to to earth, he lived a perfect life, he became the sacrifice, he died on the cross, he rose again and offered us salvation. That was a statement about your value before you were born to make a difference and before you were born to make a mistake. So what that should communicate to you is that your value is sealed, your value is predetermined by what God was willing to give for you. This has nothing to do with value, this has everything to do with the Great Commission. So how do we make a difference? I know you're all on the edge of your seats. I can feel it. I can I can feel it. I feel the tension. Since this is a church and I'm delivering a sermon, there have to be three of something. So I'm gonna give you three steps to be a difference maker in your life. Here's the first one. We need to begin living with expectation. Now begin living your life with expectation. Human beings have this incredible ability to find what they're looking for. So if I log on to social media and I'm looking for a fight, I'm going to find it. Or if I go to work and I'm looking for a reason to complain, my boss will help me find it. Or, you know, if I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop or something terrible to happen, I, I kind of have the mindset of I'm looking for the next thing that I'm, that I'm going to be mad about or upset about or hurt over. You're going to find it. But do you know the inverse is also true? That if you are looking for ways that God is working, you're gonna find it. Have you ever wondered why, you know, people, other people, they're having these incredible moves of God in their life and, and God is doing these amazing things, but, but you don't really have that in your own life. Or you ever wonder why people are getting saved in the grocery store. There's like a revival in the, in the Kroger meat department and you're not invited. You know, where people are getting saved. Right, you ever wonder why you hear these miracles that are happening in other countries with missionaries and and you know with these these tribal groups and things like that. You ever wonder why you hear that there but you don't see that in your own life? I think it has a lot to do with this question. When you wake up in the morning, are you living with the expectation that God is already working? Are you living with the expectation that God is already working? Are you asking yourself, God how am I gonna see you work today? Is that your prayer? Are you praying, God, how am I gonna see you work today? Or what miracle am I gonna witness today? I know there's gonna be one. Just help me to see it. I know you're working because I'm living with expectation. Or are you asking, you know, what life am I gonna see redeemed today? I know there's gonna be one. Somebody's gonna get saved somewhere. Where am I gonna see it? I think so many of us have this passivity about our faith. You know, we kind of wait around and we hope that, you know, someday... God is going to do something, and I'm sure it's going to be great, but I just hope that I see it and I don't miss it. You know, someday, you know, I'm waiting for that unicorn moment where God finally works in my life and does something that I've been waiting for. Biblically speaking, there is no room for that kind of faith. That is not the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the biblical gospel says that God, our God, my God, is always working. Remember last week, we talked about how he goes before me and he's behind me and his hands on my shoulder. He's always working. He's always doing something miraculous. You know, James four two says, you don't have because you don't ask God. That applies to a lot of things, but that applies specifically to you don't see what God is doing because you don't ask him, God, what is it that you're doing? I wanna see it. I seek after what you're doing. I wanna be inspired by your work around me. See, we're not... When we don't see God at work, it's not because he's not at work, it's because of our own limitations to see it. It's not his inactivity. Our prayers change when we live with expectation. It's no longer, God, please be in this blank situation, whatever it is, with my kids, Please be here as I struggle at work, or please be here as I struggle financially, or please be, because God is already here. God is already working. That prayer then changes. So God, I, I know you're already working. I know you're already here. I know you're already doing stuff in my life. Show me how it is you're working. Open my eyes. Let me see what you're already doing in my life. Or God, I know you're already here. Allow me to experience your presence Allow me to experience you to the fullest because it's, it's not a matter of I have to ask you to be here in this situation or in this conversation or in my heart. or as I know you're already here, Lord. Allow me to experience your presence. It's, God, I know you're already leading. Show me where you're leading. It's not a prayer of, God, please, please guide me. Please give, he's already guiding you. He's already leading you. He's already showing you. God, open my eyes to see what you're already doing. Help me discern what you're already doing. And when we live with expectation that God is already here and he's already moving, we begin to see everything differently. If I'm expecting God to move, then I know that any conversation I come across has potential. I know that every conversation can have eternal implications. Someone is going to give their life to Jesus today because he's at work. And I'm just hoping I'm going to be the one to see it. I'm looking for who it is. Who is it? I mean, that's how you have a revival in the meat department. You're looking for people to get saved. It's gonna happen. I just hope that I'm part of it. So if I'm expecting God to move, I'm expecting that he's gonna use me for something that he does. So I know that at any moment, I might be given an opportunity to display generosity. Or at any moment, I might have the opportunity to encourage someone who's discouraged. Or at any moment, I might have the opportunity to share a meal with somebody when I planned on eating alone. Or at any moment, I might be able to meet a need. See, living with expectation, it's gonna open your eyes to see what God is already doing and how many chances we have on a daily basis to make a difference, to love him and to love others in a significant way. So the first thing we've got to do is we're gonna live with expectation. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna reach what we can, reach what you can. My arms are a little bit short. And it might surprise you, but at 5'6", my reach isn't great, right? Don't hate, it's how God made me. All right, I'm coming to terms with it, because inside I'm 6'5". And here it's 6'5", but out here it's 5'6". Maybe you look at your own life and you think, I I can't really make a difference because what can I reach? You know, what can I touch? You know, my reach is short. I'm not Abraham Lincoln, right? I can't rally an army behind my cause. Or I'm not Bill Gates. I don't have these unlimited financial resources to just do whatever I wanna do. I'm just a mom or I'm just a teacher or I'm just a mailman or I'm just a construction worker or I'm just a student or I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too this or I'm too that. You might just be a mom and it might be true that you can't change the whole world but you have kids right in front of you every day and your kids have friends and those friends have moms and those moms have neighbors so you just reach what you can. All right, you might be a teacher and you probably can't change the whole world yourself but you have a classroom full of students and there's another classroom next to yours full of students, and that classroom has a teacher, and those teachers work for a principal, and there's a receptionist in his office, so you just, you just reach what you can. And you might be a construction worker, but you don't do all that work yourself in spite of the joke. Yeah, there's, there's a guy and he's in a hard hat next to you and that guy has a family and that family lives in a neighborhood with all kind of people around him. So you just reach what you can. You know, Every single one of us, we go to work, we, we live in neighborhoods, we attend a school, we work out at the Y, we play on a sports team, just reach what you can. And when you're living with the expectation that God is working in every moment of your life, in every opportunity, in every conversation, you begin to see that your life is like this minefield of miracles waiting to happen. Like, I might not know where the next one is. I might not know where God is going to do something incredible. And I might not know where this miracle is going to blow, but I'm going to keep stepping. And as long as I keep stepping, eventually I'm going to step on one, and I'm going to see a miracle happen. I'm going to see God work in an incredible way. I'm going to see somebody get saved. I'm going to see somebody have a, an experience with generosity that changes their heart and, and leans it toward God. Or I'm going to meet a need that wouldn't be, meet, wouldn't be met elsewhere. Just keep stepping. Just reach what you can and keep keep stepping. I love that phrase, by the way, a a minefield of miracles. I mean, think about that. Think about how that changes your perspective, right? There are things that God is waiting to do in your life if we just see him and we step. If I want my life to be significant, if I wanna make a difference, all I've gotta do is just be the living, breathing, walking gospel. And all I have to do is, is to, to do that for the people that are already within my grasp, that are already within my reach. That's the great commission. So I'm gonna reach what I can. I'm gonna watch God move. But then I'm also gonna use what I have. So the third point is we're gonna use what we have. Use what you have. I talk about Moses all the time and I love Moses. I think he's so cool. You don't hear that often, do you? I say like I think Moses is cool. Well, I think Moses is cool. He's by far my favorite difference maker in the Old Testament and I think he gives us this perfect example of using what you have because it's it's not about what you have or what you don't have, it's about what God does with it. Exodus chapter 3 says this. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, not from the band, the priest of Midian. Different guy completely. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out from God called out to him from the bush, "Moses, Moses." "Here I am," he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then God continued, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors, and I know about their sufferings. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them from the land, uh, from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, but not the cellulites. <laughs> the Israelites cry for help has come to me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses was just stepping. He was a shepherd and he was just stepping, just looking for God to do something. And what did he notice? He noticed God doing something. And so he... He chases after that, but then the job that that God gave Moses was pretty scary. He felt like it was bigger than him. He's been the next 20 verses going back and forth with God, telling God, informing God about how this isn't going to work, and I'm not the right guy for the job. Moses says, yeah, God, that's a great idea, but how? I'm just a shepherd. I was just out here keeping the sheep. And so in chapter four, verse two, the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. It was a a shepherd's staff. He's a shepherd. It was a shepherd's staff. It was a a stick. It was Moses had a stick. That's what he had. He had a shepherd's stick. I I don't even know what they use it for. I guess you like when the sheep are bad, you like you whack them with it. I don't even know what the stick is for. But what did Moses have to combat the most dynamic empire in the history of the world? He had a stick. You know, what did Moses, well, what was he given to set people free who had been enslaved for centuries? Well, he, he had a stick. You know, Moses was supposed to walk back into Pharaoh after he had murdered an Egyptian in cold blood with what in his hand? A stick. <laughs> then the Lord said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. (laughs) Moses ran from it, which every time I read that, I think, no kidding. (laughs) But the Lord told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. And so he stretched out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that Yahweh, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac... And the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And let me assure you, this was no special stick. Moses had probably been using that stick for quite a while. It didn't have any inherent power. He didn't buy it at the magical stick store. it It didn't come with 5G. It was unexceptional. It was just a stick. Until God decided to use it. And then it wasn't just a stick. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness and in insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. His power is made perfect in our weakness and making a difference Achieving what God has called us to do in the Great Commission isn't about what you have. It's about how God uses what you have. There isn't any amount of resources that alone are going to make you a difference maker. There isn't any amount of talent that alone is going to make you a difference maker or connections. Being able to make a difference in the lives of people in a, in a significant, eternal way is all about how God uses whatever it is that you do have. So it's about using what you have to reach what you can and expecting God's gonna move. So you have words, use them to encourage a coworker and expect God to move. You have a kitchen, use it to make a meal for a neighbor and expect God to move. It's bigger than the meal. God is gonna do something through the meal. Husbands, you have hands. Quit using them to change the channel. Use them to do a load of laundry and surprise your wife and watch God move in your marriage. You have money, give it away to somebody who needs it and expect God to move. You have time, use it to host a life group and expect God to move in your conversations. I mean, Hebrews 11 gives us this list. That's my other favorite thing. Moses is my favorite, but Hebrews 11 is my other favorite thing. It gives us this list, this hall of fame of these difference makers in all of scripture. And you know, it talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and all these others. And and I didn't get a chance to meet those people But I could start a list of my own just by looking around. In the back, you don't often see him. um, But in the back sits our tech director, Nathan Whalen. And through this, you can woo for him. You can absolutely woo for him. I work really closely with Nathan. And I know that there are weeks where he starts his work week at 40 hours especially through the COVID pandemic, as all of our communication has, you know, moved online for quite a while. I know that there are weeks where he would put in twice that, not because it was his job, but because he loves God and loves others and loves the church and wants to see God move. And so he reaches what he can and uses what he has and puts out the best product because he knows that, that God is going to do something with it. Some of you, uh, you walk into the restroom and you don't ever wonder if it's gonna be clean because our custodian here, Lisa Moore, she continuously goes above and beyond doing what she can with what she has and expecting God to move. And she knows that our message would be inconsistent if somebody came in here and they said, you know, from the front, they're saying, Jesus is, is number one in my life and Jesus is the most important thing. And we're going to give him our all, but we don't care enough to clean his bathrooms well in his house. She knows that that message is inconsistent, and she loves people, and she loves God, and she loves the church enough to, to give her best in cleaning over and above what her job is. I mean, I, I, I've seen countless communications Absolutely, we can clap. Difference makers. Difference makers. I mean, I've seen the, the building team for Boundless. I'm copied on their emails, and dear Lord, there are so many emails that come back and forth. But they're working hard because they know that, that when they put environments together that people feel comfortable in, that that people are, are more likely to hear from, from God. They're more likely to accept the message that they hear. And so they're using what they have and reaching what they can. I mean, I saw countless volunteers in here this week setting up for our kids' ministry that came back online today. They're, they're using what they have to reach what they can, and they expect God to move. Or in other words, they're doing what they're made to do and trusting God to do what only he can do. I believe that making a difference doesn't require this unreasonable, extreme, inordinate amount of courage. It doesn't require you to be exceptional, exceptionally talented or exceptionally wealthy, exceptionally influential. All it requires is that you're faithful and that you use what you have to reach what you can and expect God is gonna move. And there's one last thing. I believe that that one of the biggest jobs of a church community is to be mutually supportive, to be a body that lifts one another up and encourages one another. So if you catch somebody making a difference, I want you to, to tell us about it. All right, so I, I want I want you to use your social media account and the hashtag BRCC Be the Church. We've used this before, and and highlight you know shine a light on what the church ought to be. All right. So if if I were to do one today, I would I would say um, I caught I caught Susan and I caught Adam making a difference back there by giving extra weeks on their schedule for the tech team just because they love serving and they want to help however they can. Hashtag BRCC, be the church. And I think when we do that, not only does it lift one another up, but it shines a light on what the church ought to be, which is something I think we need in society today. Just make sure that you like and follow our social pages so that we can see what you post. Once again, thanks for listening.